Good morning, everybody. Well, that was kind of an unusual passage to read, but we'll hear more about uh, that one later in the message. So we're going we're continuing our um, sermon series about prayer, and uh, my pattern when I preach is, is a few weeks before to, to be praying and asking God, well, what do you want, what do you want me to say? And uh, so this week's message is kind of something that Warren, Warren talked about this uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, I call it prayer is not a mailbox. And uh, as I prayed, I just want to read. I, I like to, when I listen to the Lord, write it down because I'm a little bit distracted. And uh, this is what I felt like he said. He said, prayer is a dialogue. Bring me your concerns, thoughts, and requests. Listen then to me and receive. Don't just ring the doorbell, leave a note or package, and run away. Listen and receive. Then pray my word and promises back to me. And don't forget to give thanks. Then be ready for me to share my heart to you. Prayer is dialogue. Ring the doorbell and come in. And fellowship. Don't just use the mailbox and run away. I am your father, your brother, your closest friend. Fellowship and dialogue with me. This is how you receive. So, uh, we're going to ex- expound on that a little bit today. So that's, that's my order of, of, uh, of message here. Uh, this week coming up is Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And uh, we're going to Indiana to celebrate the holiday with my family. And, uh, but what would it be like if we drove all the way seven hours up to Fort Wayne and we parked the car in the driveway, went up to my parents' door, got a nice Thanksgiving card that we'd signed and put it on their doorstep and got back in the car and drove back home. No, that's not going to happen, right? So we're, we're going to go in, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to hug, hug them. Uh, we're going to go to church together on Thanksgiving, probably. We're going to be eating meals together, of course, and dessert. And we're going to play some football, hopefully. I'll watch football with my dad. And uh, my brother will be there, who's been... Uh, he and his wife have been overseas in Asia for two years, and so we're going to talk with them and spend time with them and enjoy being with them. Uh, we'll, hang at, we'll stay at my sister's house and hang out with their family, and we'll just enjoy each other because we're family, and we'll share our hearts together and, and be blessed. We'll probably uh, do some worship together and some prayer together, hopefully. And uh, this is what God is saying. This is what he desired. And, and if, we, you know, if we didn't do that, my mom would be heartbroken. You, know? you can imagine your own family. And uh, this is God's heart with us. And more when we come to him in prayer. He wants, he wants to fellowship with us. He's got things to share with us. And it's, you know, a lot of times we're just busy. We're busy, and so we come to him and tell him things, ask for things. 
You know, and it's like he opens up the mailbox and he's just like, oh, I got this. Oh, Bill, Bill, Bill. No. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't mind our requests. In fact, first what he said is, is bring him your concerns, your thoughts, and your requests. You know, God does not grow weary of us when we continually bring our needs to him. In fact, he likes that. Like people might people might do that, right? You keep coming to somebody and sharing your needs, they they might grow weary. God is not like that because he's our father. Uh, that we we are made, we're designed to be dependent on him. And it's a sign of our trust that we're coming to him, that we're not trying to solve everything ourselves, that we're not trying to go to other things or put our trust in other things or other people for what we need. In Exodus chapter 20, this is the Ten Commandments, this is the first commandment, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. One definition of what your God is, is who you put your trust in, right? Who do you go to with your needs? And so he wants us to come to him. We are his children. Psalm 81 verse 10 says this, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. I just get the picture of like uh, baby birds, right? Or my daughter Amy looking up the time that faith spit up into her mouth. But that's not the picture you want to have. Um, no, he's saying open wide your mouth. What does that mean? He's not talking about talk to me. He's talking about get ready to receive from me. Psalm 50, verses 14 and 15. He says, sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High. And call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. So God is commanding us to call on him when we have trouble. Like he wants that. He does not grow weary of hearing our needs. Uh, he wants to be the one that we go to in time of need. And well, just imagine it this way. When you, you who have kids... Uh, what if they went out and when, when they were hungry, they went to the neighbors and knocked on their door and begged for food? Um, you know, you would, how would you feel? Like, why don't they ask me, right? I'm the one who's supposed to um, provide for them. So uh, finally, Psalm 105, verse 1, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. This is a, I think Solomon used this as a prayer at the dedication of the temple. Then it's repeated in a couple different psalms. So it's an important statement in, um, in the Old Testament. And the middle part, call on his name. So giving thanks and worshiping him and telling people about his greatness is combined with, and when you have need, call on my name. Philippians 4.6 in the New Testament says, do not be anxious about anything, 
But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So he's saying, Paul is saying, when trouble comes, there's something you're worried about, present your requests to God. He wants us to do that. So in the Western world today, uh, especially in America, we are very independent, right? And we very much, even in the church, we like to think, well, we've got to be responsible. We've got to work hard and provide for our needs. And we, there's, there's this kind of this teaching or this mindset that we are responsible for taking care of ourselves. If you're not, you're irresponsible, right? You're, you want, we need to be independent. And uh, the Bible is different. The Bible teaches that we depend on God, and God wants us to depend on him. And if we are trusting in ourselves, or, uh, that's actually not a good thing. Now, like any children, of course, God gives us work to do, and we need to obey that. But we need to be careful that we don't uh, confuse that with we provide for ourselves. Because he is our father. He is the one where provision comes from. Uh, and then the other thing is, you know, you want your children to mature. Eventually, you hope they move out of the house, right? And we're in the midst of that. Actually, we have no kids this weekend. They all went out of town. So, um, but, but, you know, we're happy to see them doing that, right? Because they should mature. Uh, but, and in the kingdom of God, God definitely wants us to mature. There's no doubt about that. But he does not, he does not uh, kick us out of the nest. We, we are perpetual children. We're, he's always going to be our father. Uh, we are going to be mature and we're going to become more like him. We're always going to be working to do what he wants us to do. But he's always going to be our provider and our source, the one who meets our needs. Um, and God does not mind if we bring our honest complaints to him. You know, we should be thankful, but just look in the Psalms and read through all the various Psalms and see the psalmists, they are bringing their complaints to him, right? They are. So what's the difference? What's the difference between the, like, the people of Israel who the ground opened up and swallowed because they were complaining or God sent snakes. So, so, so when, it, when is it okay to complain? And I think the first thing is to, in sincerity of heart. When you have a need that you're going to him. You're not blaming him. You may not understand why something is going on. And when you come to him and talk to him with a sincere and honest heart. And here's the other thing I think. Be ready to sit and listen to his response. Right? Bring your complaints to him. And find out the answer, right? Find out what he says. Um, at those times, he's always wanting to give us his perspective because does God have a greater perspective on things than we do? Always. In fact, it's much greater. What we see is just a little bit. And he knows everything about the situation. And, uh, and also wisdom. What should we do? How should we proceed? He is always wanting to give us that. And so the second thing the Lord said was, listen to him and receive after you've prayed. 
And Proverbs 8, 32 and 30 to 34 is in the middle of talking about seeking wisdom, the whole chapter about seeking wisdom. And wisdom is personified. And actually, Jesus is kind of implied as wisdom personified. It says, Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. That's a great picture of how God wants us to be. Uh, listening. He is wisdom. He's the source of wisdom. And of course, we find wisdom in the Bible. But he's, he's talking about seeking to listen to what he has to say. And he speaks in many different ways, right? We're going to talk more about that. But getting his perspective. So, you know, we're used to praying, talking to him. But he is saying, you've got to spend time also waiting and receiving from me. God is a communicator. He speaks, right? Uh, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to all believers. And we were singing this morning, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. You wouldn't be a believer if the Holy Spirit weren't in you, right? But it's a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And there is, there's a lot deeper relationship and things we can expect from the Holy Spirit than just having him make us, make us a new creation and be born again. He's called the comforter. He's called the counselor. He's, he's our closest friend, right? And so uh, we, he was, in a sense, the replacement for Jesus. When Jesus went back up to heaven, the Holy Spirit was the one that was sent back down to take his place amongst us. And the reason was, is that he, being the Spirit of God, could dwell in each one of us. And Jesus said, that's going to be a lot better than even if I were here. So, um, think about it. One of, one of the main purposes of the Holy Spirit is to facilitate communication between us and God. Uh, if Jesus were here with you, do you think he would talk to you? If Jesus were here, let's say you talked to him after church, invited him to your house for lunch, and he came home with you, would he talk to you? Of course he would, right? So, you know, when he said the Holy Spirit will come, the word is implied another of the same kind. Like, he's going to communicate too. He's not just this impersonal force. And... He's not a man standing beside you. He's a spirit living inside of you. And so we can expect that his words are pretty much going to come from within, not from outside. Now, that's not to say that he can't speak, use people on the outside or other things, even like songs on the radio, movies that you're watching or signs that you see or something like that. He, he finds all kinds of modes to speak, right? But even when those things happen, even if somebody comes to you and says, the Lord is saying this to you and gives you a prophetic word, it's from within that the Holy Spirit bears witness to you, like, yeah, this is me talking, listen, right? 
Because there are times you'll see things on the outside, they are not from God, right? And the same thing, not every voice that goes through your head, not every thought that goes through your head is from the Lord. Course, a lot of them are your own, uh, but there are ones from the Lord. Unfortunately, there are also ones from, from the enemy, right? And, uh, and so we need to learn to recognize the Holy Spirit because he does speak. He speaks a lot more often, I think, than, than what we are uh, expecting sometimes. So here's what Jesus said uh, the night before he died, John 16, starting at verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. First of all, when did he come? It's like, isn't the Holy Spirit there? Jesus is there, right? But, well, no, Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and he filled the, all the believers that were there. I think it started out with 120 of them in a room, right? And then, as you see in the book of Acts, when people are believing and born again, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, right? So, Jesus said, He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So, here's a picture here. In heaven, Jesus is communicating with the Holy Spirit, saying, tell Barb this. Tell Kimberly that. Tell John this. And, um, and the Holy Spirit is, is in us communicating to that. In fact, it's not just like that. In verse 15, it says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So our Father is there and Jesus, and they are communicating through the Holy Spirit to us what we need at the right time. We can't handle everything at, all the time, right? But at the right time, he's going to communicate. He's going to be with you your whole life. And he will be communicating um, but we do need to pay attention, I guess. And we want to deepen that relationship so it's easy for us to hear and uh, receive from him. So the next thing he said was, then pray his word and his promises back to him. And uh, this is not like a magic formula, like if I say the magic words back, God will answer my prayers. It's not vain repetitions, like just saying, you know, mindless things uh, uh, to him. But praying God's word back to him is an expression of our faith in him. Like, Lord, you said this, and I believe it. You are this. Like when I pray for healing for people, I, I always quote scriptures while I'm praying because it's, it's what God has promised. Warren says it's the title deed. We heard about the title deed um, in the story Kathy read, right? Like, it's, it's a promise that he made, and God keeps his promises. And so it's showing our faith in him. 
uh, it encourages us at the same time. It's encouraging our faith to speak his truth when we pray pray to him. And uh, also, his word has spiritual power. So when you speak the word of God, it has power. It's not just words, right? And we live in a material world that we see, but we live in a spiritual world at the same time. We have spirits, and there are other spirits in this world too, and we are speaking the power of God when we uh, speak his promises and his word. We see examples of it in the Bible. Psalm 103, uh, the psalmist is talking to himself but he's also praying, and he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, all his kind deeds. He who forgives all your iniquities, so here's, you hear what he's saying? He's talking about the Lord. He's saying, God, God uh, forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with loving devotion and compassion. He satisfies you with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. God would love to hear us pray things like that. And not just, not just a form prayer, you know, just like, oh, I have to say these words. No, from your heart, like, I believe it. You know, Lord... I thank you that you forgive all my sins. I thank you that you satisfy me with good things. I thank you that you re- renew my youth like the eagles. How many of you like to pray that? That's a good prayer to pray, right? When you're getting older. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, again, if you, if you go to the Psalms and read, how often do they quote God's truths about God? who he is and what he's done and what he's promised. Right. So an example, at, it's Thanksgiving time. 17 years ago, Faith is going to turn 17 in January. We can't be- <coughs> I can't believe it's been that long. Um, 2004, at Thanksgiving, it was, uh, Kathy was almost eight months pregnant. Yeah, they're all there. Kathy's the one under the raincoat there. I mean... And Kathy's under the raincoat and Faith is under that, right? So, um, and we did not spend Thanksgiving at Niagara Falls, but that was the summertime. And at Thanksgiving, uh, we, I don't know if we had Kentucky Fried Chicken for Thanksgiving, or at that time we found a turkey by then. But we had our, uh, we would have foreigners, foreign friends over, and our leaders of our organization were there to visit because every year they would make a visit and meet with our Chinese boss, the foreign affairs officer of our university that where I taught, and meet with them. Well, he went, and, the day after Thanksgiving, went and met with uh, Charles, our foreign affairs officer, and came back and told us some unexpected and actually shocking news. Like, they were asking him, have you got a different teacher to come next year to replace us and the other thing that they said was uh, he said don't tell Stephen Kathy this of course he told us because he said uh, there are people who 
there, there's some word that, that people on campus are sharing, teaching the Bible to students, and it needs to stop. So the Chinese use understatement a lot, and so we got a very clear picture uh, that we were being, what we were being told. And uh, we were actually were shocked and grieved um, because we'd been there, um, I don't know, three and a half years, right? And we weren't ready to leave China. We weren't ready to leave our city or our university. And uh, so Kathy and I both were like, whoa, what do we do? And I know Kathy prayed, I prayed. I remember that afternoon I sat on my bed, our bed and was listening to a CD at the time and uh, praying. And this song, worship song came on the CD uh, and I just sang along with it. And do you know the song? I could try to sing it, but I shouldn't sing the whole thing. Uh, you said, ask and you will receive whatever you need. You guys know that song? You, you said, ask and you will receive whatever you need. You said. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I did then. Uh, you said, pray and I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal your land. You said, your glory will fill the earth like water the sea. You said, lift up your eyes. The harvest is here. The kingdom is near. You know, when you're a missionary and you're, um, you know, you're, you're there to win people's souls. And I was just thinking about all the pe people we'd worked with and we weren't ready to leave. And we didn't feel like we'd seen what God had sent us to do happen completely. And the song continues. You said, ask and I'll give the nations to you. Oh Lord, that's the cry of my heart. Distant shores and the islands will see your light as it rises on us. And so, in a sense, you know, I said God will use songs to speak to you, right? That song became a prayer in my heart that day. And the question for us at that time was, what should we do? Um, because we had been meeting weekly with a couple of students to teach the Bible to them that semester. And we were actually studying the book of Acts. Uh, we, you know, so we're like, hmm, is one of these kids reporting on us? Like, what should we do? Should we stop? Should we be careful? Um, Christmas was coming up. Before Christmas, I'd always teach about the holiday, and that was one way that I, I could speak the gospel to hundreds of students you know, all my students at once, just in the name of the culture, right? And I'd, you know, push it as far as I could that, that way, you know. Don't know if I could do that in an American school, but I can do it in the Chinese communist school. Anyway, uh, so, you know, what should I do about that? And so I asked, we, we both were asking God how to proceed. And then uh, later that weekend, I was talking to the Lord and I was exercising. I remember being in my bedroom doing push-ups. <laughs> and, and I heard the Lord, uh, the Lord said in my mind, in my thoughts, but if I knew it was the Lord and it was pretty clear, I haven't caused this storm, so it will blow over. 
So you see, it's really important bringing my complaint to the Lord, but then stop and listen to what, is, what does he have to say in response. And I felt confidence about that. And around the same time, I think the same weekend, um, Kathy had a dream. Uh, that doesn't mean you're old, because you have dreams. But, uh, it says young, young men will have visions and old men will dream dreams. She was young then at least, right? So, um, and she's still young. And I'm going to stop talking about that. So, stick to the script. This is important. In that dream, uh, our foreign workers, I'm going to say M workers because, uh, because we're online, um, friends in our city, we'd, we'd meet together on Sundays at people's houses, but there was a guy who organized every Christmas and every Easter uh, an all-city gathering of Christian workers at a hotel, and we'd they'd rent a big room in a hotel, and we'd have a service, and then we'd eat at a fancy restaurant there. And uh, then, uh, so in her dream, we were all gathered together at one of these things at the top of a tall hotel in, in town. And an earthquake happened and it started shaking. And in her, in her dream, it was like wobbling back and forth like really far, right? And, and so we were, all the people were like, what should we do? Should we get out, you know? And the leader, the guy that organized it with an authoritative voice said, stay in the building. I don't know, was that the end of your dream? That was pretty much the end of your dream. And uh, so we took that to mean, <laughs> it's not time to leave, it's time to stay in the building, stay in the, stay in the situation God put us in. And also that week, we, you know, with our little Bible study with the two young ladies, we were going to teach about Acts chapter 4, which includes this verse, which stood out to us. And here's the verse. Uh, they called, then they called, this is the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders, them in again, that's uh, the apostles, and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you rather than God. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. So we're like, I think we probably need to keep on doing what we're doing. <laughs> Be bold. You know, he, you, know, God, you know, the Holy Spirit could say, he could have said something else. He could have said in that situation, uh, take it easy for a little while, you know? And sometimes he, he does, but not in this situation, right? And so we did. And uh, we went on with our lives and work, and then Faith was born in January. Uh, we named her what God... I had been praying the summer before, and I felt like God, he didn't say this with all the kids, but he, he said, name her Faith Elizabeth, which means believing in God's promises is what it means. And the whole pregnancy and the end of it, not just that way, but other ways too with Kathy and the birth, and that's another story. God was teaching us a lesson about faith. And uh, Faith was born, we named her, and... Uh, that evening, our, our Chinese boss came to the hospital to visit us with his assistant. 
They gave us a, a little red envelope with a money gift in it. And then he said, oh, by the way, <laughs> we want to invite you back to teach next year. So <laughs> God, <clears throat> God's timing was amazing. It was just like, I've got this, you know, um, trust in me. But we needed, how important it was to listen to his voice in that situation. And uh, we marveled and praised him for his care for us. That's, that's the kind of thing that should happen in our lives all the time. I mean, it may not be that dramatic, um, but he wants, we need to listen to him. Uh, the next thing God said was, when you pray, don't forget to give thanks. And God certainly loves to see us appreciate him and his works in our lives. It shows that we recognize that what we have comes from him and not ourselves or anywhere else. When we do so, we're, we are affirming our relationship with him as his children, and he's our good father. Um, we're trusting his goodness and faithfulness. So, it, you know, Warren talked about this a few weeks ago, too. Is it hip, hypocritical to thank God if you haven't seen the answer yet? And I'll say, absolutely not. Okay, why? Because even though we don't see the answer, we know what he has said in his word, the Bible, and we also know his character. Uh, think about it. If your own child asks you for supper or protection or for the resources to do what you had asked him to do or something else that, that's your responsibility... Would there be any doubt that you would give it if it were in your power to do so? So if we're asking God for things that he's promised us, why not give thanks? In fact, it, it shows that we trust in him. So we can certainly thank God before we see the results of our requests. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. Right? That's what faith is. You, if you can see it, it's not faith. It's not necessary to have faith if you can see it. And so, it's about what we don't see. Philippians 4, 6, I'll read this again. I read it earlier. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So it's commanding us there. That's pretty direct, right? Give thanks when you pray. Presumably when you pray, you haven't seen the answer yet, right? So give thanks uh, when you pray. It's an important thing. It's not that God feels, you know, God's not the kind of person who feels unappreciated and self-pity when we don't give thanks to him. It's not about that. It's everything about us, right? And about what is just the right thing to do. So, uh, lastly, he said, finally, be ready for him to share his heart with you. And we already talked about listen to what he says, but I think this is a little bit different because what's on his heart? You know, a lot of times prayer is about what's on our hearts, right? And like I said, God really cares about what's on our hearts, our needs and how we're feeling and everything. And it's good to pray what's on your heart for sure. Pour out your heart to God. Do that. Do that all the time. He wants it. Okay? Don't keep it to yourself. Share it with him. But 
what's on his heart? Like, who knows what's on his heart? We don't know until he tells us, right? And there's a lot of things on his heart that we've never heard before. And it's up to him whether he shares them with us or not. But a lot of times, well, I felt like he was saying to me, wait, and, and now don't forget to wait and see if he shares what's on his heart with you. So uh, I found a couple stories in the Old Testament of godly men who prayed God's word and promises back to him, and then God responded by sharing something incredibly important that was on his heart with him that he hadn't really shared with other people. Um, and uh, th- both of them actually were praying about the same thing. Uh, it was, you know... God eventually punished Israel and exiled them in Babylon after they had disobeyed and disobeyed and disobeyed him for hundreds of years. And so Jeremiah prayed at the beginning of that exile. Then later Daniel, we know him from the lion's den and all those stories, prayed near the end of it. And those prayers are written down. And both of them included God's word and promises in their prayers. And they both received revelation from God afterward. So in Jeremiah 32, Kathy just read the the background for that, right? Here's Jeremiah's prayer. After I had given, well, this isn't the prayer, but it starts soon. After I had given the deed of purchase to Baruch, son of Neriah. So you understand what he had done. Uh, God had told him, so here's Jerusalem is already surrounded by Babylonians. They're under siege. They can't can't get out. And Jeremiah is actually imprisoned in the king's palace because he's been prophesying that Babylon was going to destroy Jerusalem. And the, you know, the king didn't like that. So he was imprisoned. But uh, he's, God told him, buy this property, this outside, buy this property uh, and get the title deed and then put it in a jar where it'll be preserved, kind of like the Dead Sea Scrolls were preserved for a long time. And... He, uh, so he did. He did that, and that's what Kathy read about it. And it sounds like a crazy investment, doesn't it? Like, our country is about to be taken over, so buy some property. <laughs> and uh, he obeyed God, and then he prayed. I prayed to the Lord, ah, sovereign Lord. You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Well, listen to how he prays. He's telling God he made the heavens and how powerful he is. Nothing is too hard for you. You show love to thousands, but bring punishment for the parents' sin into the laps of their children after them. Great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord Almighty, Great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds. Your eyes are open to the ways of all mankind. You reward each person according to their conduct and as their deeds deserve. I'm going to pause there. Are these just flowery, fancy words? Like, is this like a prayer to impress somebody? Is it necessary? Can't we just pray simple prayers? Uh, Well, no, that's not what he's doing here. He's totally sincere, right? But he is praying God's promises and the character of God, who he is to God, like we've been talking about. Verse 20, you performed signs and wonders in Egypt and have continued them to this day. 
in Israel and among all mankind and have gained the renown that is still yours. You brought your people Israel out of Egypt with signs and wonders by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror. You gave them this land you had sworn to give their ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. They came in and took possession of it, but they did not obey you or follow your law. They did not do what you commanded them to do. So you brought all this disaster on them. See how the siege ramps are built. So he said, oh, that's just all the preface to his request, right? But there's a reason why he was doing it. See how the siege ramps are built up to take the city. Because of the sword, famine, and plague, the city will be given into the hands of the Babylonians who are attacking it. What you said has happened, as you now see. So he's even saying all the, the judgment. He's telling, you're right. You said it would happen, and it happened. It's happening now. And though the city will be given into the hands of the Babylonians, you, sovereign Lord, say to me, buy the field with silver and have the transaction witnessed. There's the questions like, what are you doing? Why are you telling me to do this? He's pouring out his heart to God. The Lord responded to Jeremiah's prayer. By, and I'm not going to read all that, but it, he declared again that he's going to give the city to the Babylonians. He's going to let it be destroyed. He's going to let his temple to be destroyed. And then he lists all the reasons why his people, Israel, deserved it. But he's not done. Next, he shares new revelation about future grace, even about the gospel. See if you can find the gospel in this with Jeremiah. This is verse 36 to 41. This is God. You are saying about this city, by the sword, famine, and plague, it will be given into the hands of the king of Babylon. Now God's quoting Jeremiah's prayer back to him. But this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I will surely gather them from all the lands where I banished them. You see, he's talking about what happens after the punishment, which is, uh, I guess, about 70 years from then. In my furious anger and great wrath, I will bring them back to this place and let them live in safety. Wow, what a promise. He's like, this is not the end. I'm bringing them back in 70 years. They will be my people and I will be their God. That's awesome. But this, the next part is even better. You know, Israel deserved to be banished and punished for, what for their unfaithfulness. But now he says... I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me and that all will then go well for them and for their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them. And I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. What a promise. Is that, has that happened? He's talking about being born again. He's talking about the gospel. Like that he's going to give them a new heart. He's going to change them from within. Verse 41. I will rejoice in doing them good 
and will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and soul. So one thing that's amazing is here they are in the midst of the siege. He hasn't even, he's in the middle of carrying out the punishment and he's speaking this to Jeremiah. This is what's in his heart, which should encourage us, right? Like this is God's heart for us and if, he, if we need to be disciplined, then that'll happen, but he still loves us and he's got good in mind for us in the future. And like I said, He's, he's talking about born-again hearts through Jesus Christ, is what he's saying to Jeremiah. And that's quite a revelation for that point in the Old Testament. And we see a similar situation with the prophet Daniel, his prayer. Now, Daniel's in Babylon. It's near the end of the exile. And it says in chapter 9, verses 1 to 6, In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah, the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. It's right there next to the promise we like. I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. That's where it says you'll be in exile for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. And here's Daniel's prayer. Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. So here he is speaking God's truth back to God. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. This is the beginning of his prayer. We would do well to pray these kind of prayers about the United States of America. Um, So... Daniel continues for three more paragraphs, which I'm not going to read here, but he is specifically repenting for Israel's sins. He's recounting the Lord's righteous punishments on them and asking for mercy. But then he ends with this appeal. Verse 17. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Here he is again speaking who God is, like his, his word, his promises, his character, because he knows that from the scripture, right? Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. See, Daniel was concerned because he knew he was at the end of the 70 years and he sees his people and evidently they are still lacking. You know? And he's saying, have mercy on us, forgive us. We, we need your mercy. How does God respond to Daniel's prayer? He sends an angel uh, named Gabriel and 
to give Daniel an amazing revelation. And he, this is the one where he says, Satan detained me, but uh, he gives an amazing revelation. If you read the rest of Daniel, it's like, first of all, it goes through world history and teaches about Alexander the Great and the Roman Empire. And I mean, it's a history book in the next couple chapters. And that's one of the reasons why we believe, yes, the Bible is the word of God because these prophecies all came true. It reads like a book. Um, and then, but he also talks about the future of the world. He talks to Daniel about the coming of Jesus Christ and how he was going to die on the cross. Not in so many words, but it's in there. And the last days of the end of the world. He talks about the Antichrist and the end of the world and the judgment. And uh, he reveals all that stuff to Daniel. Daniel was just praying about his people forgiving their sins and bringing them back to Jerusalem. And God says, yeah, and guess what's on my heart? More than that. <laughs> he talks about the rest of the history in the world and his coming back and the, and the Christ. And uh, so it's amazing. So here's, if you're like me, you might say, well, sure, you're talking about Jeremiah and Daniel. These were men of God. These were great prophets in the Old Testament. Of course God spoke his heart to them. But why would he, would he do the same for me? Would he speak what's on his heart to me? Well, just I have a question for you. Are you not one of his sons and daughters? Are you more or less of a son or daughter than Jeremiah or Daniel? Now, they had a calling, but do you have a calling? It may not be the same calling. It's probably not. Jeremiah's calling was really hard. Daniel's wasn't easy either. You have a calling that probably won't be easy either, right? But you are his son. You are his daughter. So am I. In Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit was given at Pentecost, we talked about that before, Peter quoted these words, verse 17 and 18 describing what was going on. They were all speaking in tongues. They were prophesying. They were declaring the praises of God. And people from other countries were hearing and believing and amazed and saying, well, they must be drunk because what's this craziness going on? But he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. What's the word there? Which people? All people. Does that include you and me? I think it does. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women. Is it leaving anybody out here? doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter what, uh, how old you are. Uh, children should be included too. They don't receive a junior Holy Spirit. They receive the whole thing. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Some people might say, well, those were those days and now these are these days. God's not doing that anymore. I'm sorry, that's a terrible doctrine. That's just not true. He said, in the last days. Like, the last days didn't end before us. <laughs> I mean, that's, end that argument right there. Um, and you, you might say, well, maybe it's not the last days. No, it's talking about 
everybody in the New Testament time, everybody who's in Christ, which includes us, and they will prophesy. We are included. We are his sons and daughters. Our Father has called us into meaningful fellowship with himself. And he has prepared a table for us. Uh, Think about Thanksgiving dinner with God. He's made that available to us anytime, all the time. So don't just leave prayers at his doorstep. Come in and dialogue. Come in and eat. Come in and receive from him. He loves us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you We just thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you care about what's on our hearts. We thank you that you are a good father, that you really do want to hear our needs. You don't get tired of that. We thank you that you, you have more time for us being the God who runs everything than a lot of times we have for you. And Lord, we repent for when we have done that. We thank you that you care about spending time with us, that you care about sharing with us what's on your heart. We thank you for salvation through Jesus. We thank you for forgiveness of sins. Thank you that you have had mercy on us like you had on the Israelites. And that we thank you that you share your heart with us. We thank you that you've put your Holy Spirit in us. And we ask that you would deepen our relationship with you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into our lives. We ask that we could learn to hear your voice better. We pray that we would believe the work that you want to do in us and through us even more, and that you would manifest everything that you want to happen through us uh, in our relationship with you. And uh, Lord, help us to pray. And we thank you, we love you, in Jesus' name, amen.